0: Well, good morning, everybody. If we haven't met before, I'm Rob Jacobson. If we have, I'm still Rob. And I'm so excited for this series because it's actually been helpful in my life, too. It's always nice when, you know, the things that we talk about are helpful. But these are things, some of these things I've learned before, some of these things I'm relearning, uh, some of these things I haven't learned. But today, we are talking about this series called Choices because really we're the sum total of the choices we make. Who we are today, is because of the choices that we made yesterday and all the yesterdays before that. And the choices that we make today will impact who we become tomorrow and what we can do in all the tomorrows that follow. So that's why we're talking about choices. Last week we looked at this choice to choose purpose over popularity. And I had a a call this week, a message from somebody who was here last week, and they said, Uh, I'm so thankful that I was at church, and I don't get a lot of these messages, and the point isn't like, ooh, yay, we did great at church. The point is, uh, this friend had somebody uh, have a family crisis in their lives, and they were spinning. They had no idea what to do, and because this um, person was here, they were able to see clearly what God's purpose was in that situation and what God's purpose is for life. And it was this huge moment of encouragement for her. And that's when I say, ooh, that was good. Some people leave and they're like, oh, good service or good church today. No, good is when life comes from it later. Two days later, I have somebody in my office and they're talking to me about how they were in church last week and they were ministering to someone in uh, a crisis situation. And again, he's like, this is what I do. This is what I was made to do. This is God's purpose for my life. And I'm like, well then, let's keep going. Let's keep praying for that situation. So uh, again, I really hope this is helpful, but that was uh, what we talked about last week. To introduce this week, uh, we have a question. So to participate, it's pretty easy. This means yes, and this means no. This means no. I'm either not listening or I'm not participating, okay? So how many of you would honestly say, I wish I had more time to do the things that are important to me? I wish I had more time to do the things that are important to me. This is, I have enough time. I'm totally fine. This is, oh, I want more time. I want more time for that important stuff. Almost everyone. Like, maybe you have wish you had more time to, I don't know, cook or relax or or water ski, or or knit. Okay, maybe not knitting. No, knits, knitting's pretty cool. Or, you know, sitting in a hammock. which you had more time to play with your kids, or learn an instrument, or get good at an instrument. But instead, um, if you're like most people, then you say, well, yeah, I wish I had more time to do that important stuff, but I've got bills to pay, work to catch up on, or homework to do, or or... Uh, if you were in my house last week, sinks to unclog, showers to clean, snap streaks to continue, not me, and Instagram captions to perfect. I just have all these other urgent things that have to get done. So, when you ask people how they're doing, what's one of the most common responses you get besides fine? Good? Busy. Busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. Time. Oh, I wish I had time to do that. I'm just crazy busy. It's like an epidemic. See, how many times have you heard someone say, how are you doing? Oh, totally relaxed. Chilling. In fact, I honestly feel a little bit guilty because all I'm doing right now is existing. I have nothing to do. Right? It's a figment of imagination. Uh, I think we have a problem... And I was, I was doing a little bit of reading about this, so if you want to do some reading about this, if you're just intellectual, one of those intellectual, stimulated people, the lonely American, isolating yourselves in the 21st century, two psychologists, brilliant writing, read some of that this week, and one of the things they said was that Americans in general place a high value on being ambitious, self-reliant, and productive. Okay? Yep. No, and there's nothing wrong with that, because we live in this land of doers, in fact, it's pretty much made America one of the most prosperous societies in the world. However, if you talk to people about this, especially anyone that touches kind of the middle class, upper middle class, lower middle class, middle class, when they talk about their busyness, it's almost like they're bragging. But then they're complaining too. Like for some reason, and I've been there, I've totally been there, we wear our busyness as this badge of importance Or success. And yet, how much time do we spend going to work, going home from work, traveling to work, texting our friends or people that we care about to say we're going to be late because of work? Our life isn't just work, and it's not just the vocation that we do. It's that there's all these things that we do that actually might not be of most importance how are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. Well, I'm actually trying to not say that. Or when someone texts me to see if they can meet, they say, oh, I know you're busy. And I actually just want to write back and say, "Mm, I'm not busy. And here's the reason. I choose to have time for what I choose to have time for. I mean, it's kind of Novice, right? So try it. Like, we all choose to have time for the things that we choose to have time for. When you say that you don't have time to do this thing, it's because you've chosen something else to do. Now, maybe you don't think you have that much choice in it, but I think for a lot of us, in most situations, we actually do have the choice. And it's the choice that we can make. And today, that choice is to choose the important over the urgent now, I, maybe some of you are like, ah, aren't urgent things important? Well, sometimes. Or aren't all important things urgent? Maybe, but there's a little bit of a difference. So, you know, here's an example. Like, if a six-year-old is having a throw-out temper tantrum because they don't want to go to school, that's urgent. You've got to deal with that. But creating a positive environment where going to school is important, necessary, and required, that's important. Or, like, you have bugs, staff, we had a little fruit fly incident this week at, in the church, you know? Like, killing flies in your kitchen or bugs, that's urgent. Putting weather stripping under the door that's cracked too far and cleaning up and throwing away, you know, trash in a timely manner, that's important. Or if you're in sales, like, that angry customer that's just, that's urgent. Creating systems where you satisfy customers and you deal with that stuff is important. Or, going to the doctor because you're sick and dealing with that, that's urgent. Getting treated because you're sick is urgent. But, the reason you're sick is because you're doing too much, you're overwhelmed and stressed out, and you're not taking care of yourself. So, taking care of yourself so you don't get sick, that's important. So, Those are the differences, I think, between urgent and important. And one leadership expert said, Seth Godin, if you take care of the important things, the urgent don't show up as often. And the opposite is never true. If you're only choosing to do the things that are urgent, you'll actually never get to the things that are very important. And so today, we're going to choose what it means to or we're going to choose what is important over what's urgent. And where I find this and see this really clearly is this really short story in the book of Luke, chapter 10. It's probably a story you may have heard before if you've been in church before. But just because you've read the story, don't let that keep the story from reading you. God might want to do some work in you in this story. And we're going to look at not only what is happening in the story, but what's happening right around this story, because I think that also sheds light on what God's Spirit might want to do with this. So, uh, if you have a Bible, you want to open it up, uh, we might, I think we'll have it on the screen too, but let me pray for us. God, this is your Word and your Spirit that's here. And we do really want to hear your voice. No matter what we bring today, I pray that we could pause and we could hear you. And that you give us the space and the energy to choose uh, what's most important. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, after a journey has happened and some ministry has happened, it says in Luke 10.38 that as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened their home to them. Now, it's a really beautiful thing not just to open your home, but to actually create hospitality. Like, have you been in places where one has happened and the other hasn't happened? I got to go to a Boy Scout, Girl Scout little event, and my child and I walked in, and they're like, oh, take your shoes off, take your coat off, and come on in. And they addressed my child, who went over to the table, and I'm left standing there like in the entryway, not sure of what to do. There's one parent that's over in the living room, but I haven't really been invited over there. There's two other parents that are in the kitchen, but I haven't really been invited over there. So I'm just kind of waiting to see, and it's this open floor plan, so everyone's within 20 feet of me, but I'm like, "Uh -uh, I don't want to screw up. And yet here, Martha just doesn't let 13 grown men who have been on a mission journey, so they're potentially hygiene-challenged, into her home, I'm just saying, she welcomes them in. She's a great host. And there are other times in the scripture where Martha is a great host and she does it perfectly well. So she welcomes them in. And I think it's important to welcome people into your home. I would say it's even more important to welcome people into your spiritual home so that they know where to sit and they know what to do next and they feel like, not awkward like my Boy Scout, Girl Scout thing. Anyway, so Martha is this host, and it says that she has a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, actually, when I was doing some study on this, I found out that in the original language, it actually says that she had a sister called Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And I think that little distinction is pretty important that she also sat at the Lord's feet. Because this phrase, sit at the Lord's feet, is this Jewish first century way of saying that she was a disciple of Jesus. She was a student of Jesus. If you sit at your teacher's feet, it means you're learning from them. And Mary did that. But if she also sat at the Lord's feet, it means Martha did that as well. See, Martha was someone who loved Jesus too, who believed in him, who was trying to follow him, and she does what everybody else often does, at least I do. In the moment of loving Jesus and wanting to follow him, she gets distracted, it says, by all the preparations that had to be made. But Martha, verse 40, was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. All the distractions. See, Martha didn't just want to throw a hot dish in the oven, turn it on, put, our, put out some iced tea and sit down and, and be with the people. She wanted to make sure, I mean, it is the son of God who's coming over. Want to get that right? My parents used to say, like, clean up, make sure you clean up. What if the president was coming over? I think at the time it was Ronald Reagan, so I'm like, I don't know, would he like bring us into a movie or something? Which my mom would usually give me one of these on the top of the head. She'd be like, just go clean up. No, I'm the only one who wanted to get their house clean. I'm the only one whose parents use the president's thing. Gosh, I have issues. Martha wants to get it right. It's not just one thing. It's lots and lots and lots of preparations. Everything's got to be perfect. She gets distracted in all of those urgent things. And she misses what's most important. I think a lot of us do this. In fact... Um, I would encourage you to just think about that question. What is something that's really important that you've completely missed because you've been distracted from other stuff? What's the most important thing that you've been distracted from lately? It's not that you don't love God. It's not that you're not interested in spiritual things. It's not that those things that matter in your life don't matter, it's just, you've been distracted from them. Let that ponder in your head and in your heart. See, Martha, instead of being centered on Jesus and hearing what he was saying, she was just scattered everywhere else. We would say she's a hot mess. If you, if you don't know what that means, it, it's, she was like a chicken with her head cut off, running around. That, there's kind of two areas. Yeah. She was a mess. But she was distracted from what was important because of just the stuff that was urgent. Some of you might be wanting to follow God, but you've just been distracted from having meaningful time with Jesus, sitting, hearing God's word, letting it read you, aligning your heart with His. Some of you might say, "Um, I've been so busy doing for my children. I haven't actually been able to be with them. Like, I've been running them to here and running them to here. I just haven't gotten to invest in them. Um, Maybe even more, it's not just been distracted. It's been, oh, gosh, I've been child-centered. What do you want to do? What do you want to eat? What should we do next? And, And the relationships that are most important, time with God that will actually nourish them relationally and spiritually, is what's lacking. For others it might be most important thing that I've been distracted from uh working out physical fitness. Not not that you have to go join the templar place and do the whatever that's called. Uh gosh, what is that called? CrossFit, right? Right? Like I'm but maybe walking three or four times a week or not eating fast food just because it's convenient. Just putting stuff from the earth that's in our body. That would be good, but I haven't done it because I've been too busy. Or for some of you, it might be something that's more internal. It might be a habit that you've been wanting to break but haven't broken. Or it might be uh, a thought pattern or it might even be an addiction. And you know you need to get rid of it. You know it has to go, but you just haven't, Made time to do the hard stuff. Now, to those of you who are task oriented people, because I know there's a few out here, this is not saying that serving in the name of Jesus is so much worse than just spending time with Jesus. If thinking if you're one of these people who would think, I have to sit in a room full of 13 other people and sit and listen and talk and interact and share my feelings before or share my thoughts before I even know what the question is, that freaks me out. It's not exactly what it's saying. I don't think it can just say that because of where Luke places this story. Yes, it's true that if you just serve and serve and serve in the name of Jesus and never have time to hear him, that's a problem. But see, where Luke places this story actually doesn't fit geographically with it, and it doesn't actually fit chronologically with it. And Luke's not a dummy. He's a very smart writer, and he's the only writer that includes this story in his story of Jesus, so there's got to be a reason it's here. And I think if we look at the story before and after it, we'll see. The story before this is the story of the Good Samaritan one of the most famous parables, and it's said in response to this question by someone who who knows religion, who studies religion, who says, hey, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? I think we have the, yeah, verse. This expert in the law, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus asked him, well, what does God's instruction say? He's asking him about right beliefs, and the guy nails it. He says, well, we should love God with all we are, and we should love our neighbor as ourselves." And Jesus says, exact, good answer. Do this, and you will live. Essentially, what he's saying is practice what you're proclaiming, and you will experience eternal life. Just practice What you're proclaiming, you'll experience eternal life. Someone who just, you know, might not live with God but have wisdom would say, that's just integrity. That holds your life together if you do that. And the guy says, oh, okay. So, but he just maybe wants to separate his right beliefs from right behavior. And so he says, who is my neighbor? How far does this love need to extend? What, how much do I have to do? And so Jesus tells a story it's very penetrating and gets to this question that isn't who's my neighbor but what kind of neighbor are you? What kind of neighbor am I? And the guy, we don't hear his response. But that fo- that's immediately before this. And I think it's there because right beliefs mean very little if they don't impact our behavior. And so, We have a problem if we have time with Jesus and it doesn't affect our behavior. That's the story of the Good Samaritan. But right after that, then, we also have a problem if we choose the urgent behaviors. I know, did you like that? If you're visually impaired, I just went spastic. (laughs) And if we choose those urgent behaviors and we miss the important time with Jesus. That's the story of Mary and Martha. These are put right next to each other to complete this story, to balance this theology out. Jesus says, Mary, when he says, Martha is distracted by all these preparations and kind of blames Jesus. Don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work? Martha, you're worried and distracted about many things, but few are needed. Indeed, only one. And Mary has, what is it? Chosen not, Mary has like succumbed or Mary has surrendered or there was no other option left. No, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her. Like, we can make a choice, and I promise you, if we don't make a choice, I've learned this in so many painful ways the urgent will always, always crowd out the important every time. We have to be intentional. And I believe with the help of God, we can. And in this area, I've heard it said like this, we can either make excuses or we can make progress, but we can't make both. We can make excuses or we can make progress, but we can't make both. So I'm learning to make progress in this area. I still mess it up and surrender towards the urgent, but... I've done three things that have helped me in this, and so that I don't want you to walk out thinking, okay, so I'm supposed to spend time with Jesus, that's important, not surrender to the urgent, I'm not very good at that, I should try better. That is not my point. So the first thing that I've learned is to calendar everything that's crucial, If you want to be a note-taker, calendar everything crucial means that you take the most important stuff in your life and you put it on first. Like, we do this with dentist appointments, which, you know, you could say, are they really the most important thing? But, like, every six months, there's the dentist appointment again. And even if it's not a super convenient time, I always seem to go because it made it on the calendar first. So what happens is I had this naive notion that was... um, well, the people that are most important in my life, like their birthdays, anniversaries, that's a, I shouldn't put that on the calendar because that would insinuate that I don't know when they are. I don't know what I was thinking. So, so then I'm in a situation where someone asks to meet with me. And I look at my calendar, and it's blank where they're asking. And so I say, sure. And I realize it's an anniversary. So I haven't done that again. Now I calendar everything that's crucial (laughs) all the time. Because just like those dentist appointments, if I put it on there first, then when someone has to meet, I go, "Mm, no, I can't do that. And it's crazy. It just works. So every month, once a month, I look a few months out and go, what are the most important things? Who are the most important people? I get emotional about that because I know the urgent stuff always comes in and I don't want to miss it. The people that live closest to me need to know that I'm available regardless of what my title is and what I do. And I would say that's not just for a pastor. The people who live closest to you need to know that regardless of what you do or the season of life you're in, that within reason, they have access to you. So I put down my time with Jesus. I put down my workouts. I put down dates with my wife. I put down silly stuff. But I put it down because it'll always get crowded out. So that's what calendar everything crucial means. Second one is um, I started creating artificial deadlines. Artificial deadlines are fake deadlines. So what what this how this works is like, uh, we, had, we have timesheets as a, as a church, and so three or four years ago when we started that, this kind lady that did our payroll, like she would, every couple of weeks, she was really organized. She would say, timesheets are due to about a dozen church plants, and then we would all send them in at varying lengths of time, and about half of us got them in on time. And then she's like, hmm, wow. So two years ago, she actually created a calendar that she shared with us that says when they're due. So she had to stop sending out that email to about a th- two-thirds of the churches, because then some of us were still late not all of us, not always me, but, you know, I may have fallen. Anyway, so she would then send that reminder or, with all good intention, the date would come, time to due today, and I wouldn't do them until 3 o'clock. Well, she's waiting all day to do those. So about a year later, about a little over a year ago, my assistant at the time, Juliet, and I had this brilliant idea. What if, I know, right? Here you go. What if... The, like, she already told us the day they're due. What if we just said that you had to send them in the day before that? <laughs> do, you think, do you think not only that, then we could have the staff send them in the day before that? Oh, my gosh. I've only missed one now. Oh, my, two. But, it's, but over, like, 15 months. And there's no stress. Just because we created a fake deadline. And you do this all the time because even if you're a procrastinator, procrastinators, you know, hear me, even if it's out there and we're like, oh, it's not due, we still think about it. If it's important, it's still there. It's like looming there and we can't really focus on what's there. This happens if you're going to go out of town. So you're going to go on vacation next Thursday and it's a Friday and you're like, oh yeah, oh my gosh, I've got to do five days of work within three days. I wonder what I'm going to do. Well, all of a sudden, before you leave on Friday, you calendar everything crucial in those three days. You work on your schedule the week before. Even if you don't work over the weekend, you come in on Monday, and what happens? Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you work your tail off, and you get everything done because you had a fake deadline, and you worked more efficiently and effectively and got it all done, got to leave on vacation just because of pretend time. And I think you're like, where are you pulling this from, the text? There's, it's a stretch, but just a little. Because I think this is what Jesus was insinuating when he said, Martha, Martha, you're worried about many things, but few are needed, indeed only one. To create hospitality, Martha, the iced tea, and we're in Minnesota, the tater tot hot dish, that they would have been fine. Throw it in the oven, put the iced tea out, and then come and join us. You don't have to have a seven-course meal, Martha. It doesn't have to be perfect. When I think about when I really screw this up, it's because I'm trying to do it perfect, not just be present. Maybe that's for you. I didn't plan that. So calendar the things that are crucial. Create artificial deadlines. And this one absolutely flows from the text. We do first what matters most. Do First, what matters most? Jesus did this in his life all the time. He modeled this. Mark one thirty-five says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus went out by himself to pray. He just spent a huge night of ministry. We looked at this last week, if you're here. Huge night of ministry, lots of healing, and he goes and spends time with his father. Not because there's any expectation, because he loves his father and wants to spend time with him we we do this first in our life and maybe Jesus is saying to you you know i know that you want to spend time with me i know you love me so not out of obligation just when can we do that and his super kind compassionate and penetrating eyes will burrow down on you until you say do i have to answer the question now and he's super patient at least in my life he says yeah but I have all the time you need. We do first what matters most because otherwise other stuff gets put in the way. Other stuff just comes up. All the urgent stuff just comes up. The thing right after this is a five-sentence prayer when his disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. We gotta pray. It's important, but it feels urgent right now. Five sentences to realign our mind in his kingdom and our heart with his purposes. Jesus isn't asking for every moment of your life. He still wants, he created you the way he created you. He put you in jobs and in situations where he's going to work. You don't have to fly across the world to Africa unless you're Leanne and God told you to. But he just wants your heart. And so you do it first because it matters most. And when I do it first, man, so much of my day works like I'm in the flow of God. And when I do it, like at 4.45 in the afternoon, yeah, it's a little sketchy. And it's not militant, it's just what I see modeled in Scripture. And, and our world has made it really easy. You can put an app on your phone and a Bible verse will come up every day. Because Sometimes you just need one word from God and it realigns your heart. But again, this is not an obligation, this isn't to be religious. This is just about what's choosing what's important over what's urgent. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and then all this will be added. And that's when you get to practice faith. You go, I don't know how it's going to all work out, but I will seek first the kingdom of God and then all this will be added. It's what we do when we give and we give first. I just stumbled into that because a pastor said you should give 10% to God and then you should save 10%, then you should live on the rest. So as a fourth year person in college wanting to get married to this cute girl that said yes um, and we still had time, we just started doing that. And it, it is so much more than money. Like, okay, we'll give it first. And when a financial planner said, that's unwise, I think God would understand. We just looked at him and said, we've been doing it for four years, he hasn't failed us yet, why should we stop? That's not bragging. It's like, oh, I'm trying to do that now with my time. Oh, can I give my time, 10% of my time first to God? Can I give and save 10% for those emergencies, for those people that say, hey, just happened today. We had a, we had a little kid pass away in our school. They don't have a church, they don't have a pastor. And we love this family and we don't know what to do. Can you help? When I save 10%, I can say yes to that. That's important. And that's not about me. We all have those situations. Can you choose what's important over the urgent? Because the urgent will always be there. Can you hear God's voice saying, I love you. I just want a little time with you. Whenever you can give it. Would you choose me first? I promise I will be with you the rest of it. All these things will be added. You're worried and distracted about many things, but one's needed, and you can choose it. Lord, would you just hear our hearts today? God, I know I don't always get it right, I know that when I don't because I'm surrendering to popularity instead of purpose or I'm choosing the urgent over the important but just even in these two choices God you clearly say to us I love you. I love you. I enjoy spending time with you. My words are words of life and I want to share them with you. My words of truth will set you free I want that for you. God, we want that. We love you. We're like Martha, though. We love you, and we sometimes get distracted. And I pray, God, that you would do a work in our lives that we could be empowered to choose what's important. God, that we would, even if it's just one verse, even if it's five minutes in the morning, that we would start our day aligning our hearts with your heart and aligning our minds with your priorities, and that you would add all the things that are needed. God, for those that are saying, I have a habit in the name of Jesus, I just pray that you would break through that habit, that that person would confess. God, that they would be set free. For those that are saying, I need time with you, God, I pray that you would set them free from their schedule, that you would just give them, show them where that needs to happen. And for those that are letting other parts of their life that are good, but not most important, run them. I pray that you would just give them some moments this afternoon to flip things around. We want to love you. Thank you for loving us. God, I know that on my own, I'm like Martha and I'm worried and distracted, but with you, I'm at your feet. On my own, I'm like the the religious person who says, well, how far does my love have to go? Who's my neighbor? But when I'm at your feet, when I'm with you, your spirit says, what kind of neighbor are you? God, I know that when I'm on my own, I'm trying to divide all these things that would be belief and behavior, but when I'm with you, I want to live with integrity, united together. God, I pray that, God, as we close today, that we could, that you would fill us up, that you would unite our, our, our minds, our soul, and our spirit, and our bodies. And if anyone's here and they are saying, whoa, I just, I just need Jesus to do a huge work. God, I pray that they would let you come in, that they would say, I give you everything I have. I know it's not enough, but Jesus, you are enough. You died so that I could live. I choose you. You are most important. I love you. Guide my life. Lead me. Amen.